for men, for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So he has, he has to be a man to begin with, and he has to be called to this job that he's called to be a priest. He's, and especially the high priest, taken from among men, He's ordained, and this word ordained here in this place speaks to the idea of being appointed. He he's, receives an appointment to this job. It's not something you go out and, and campaign for like a political office, even though the Jews oftentimes uh, took it as such and, and uh, used their power. But... He says, those that are taken from among men are, or, are appointed to this job for, on, on behalf of men pertaining to the things of God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So there are two different things here that he does. He, he gives gifts, and this is kind of like um, the the offerings that were given of thanks. And then it also speaks of sacrifices for sins. So this was in the Old Testament and the Jews were very familiar with this. But he says this person, in verse two he says, who is a person who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. So he says he has to be able to have experienced these things himself to understand and to know what people are going through. To have compassion on the ignorant. Why don't we all fall into that category every now and then? And on them that are out of the way. One that are, ones that are just out in left field, they've got, they're on the wrong track. They're doing things the wrong way. And he has to have compassion on these people because he himself is also uh, compassed with infirmity. That is, he's surrounded by weakness. He's surrounded by the weakness of his own weakness. He knows what this is like. And so he has to have that experience behind him. He wouldn't be somebody who was uh, new to these things. Verse 3 says, And by reason thereof he ought as for the people also, so also for himself to offer for sins. Uh, You know, he says that this, he offers these uh, sins and he knows where these people have been and he can go to the Lord as, a, as an intercessor and to offer these sins or offer these uh, sacrifices for sins. And verse 4 starts another idea. Uh, it says that this is an honorable office and it was not taken unintentionally 
but was by appointment only. So verse 4 says, And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And so this was God's appointment of Jesus. God appointed him as not similar to what Aaron was. You know, Moses back in Exodus, I think it's chapter 5, said, I, I can't, I'm not a man of eloquence. I need somebody to speak for me. And God wasn't too pleased with that. God says, I, I formed the tongue. I could, I could make you able, give you the ability that you need. And, and yet he said, okay, I'll, I'll have Aaron do this for you. Because he's an eloquent man. He's a man who can handle this job. And so Aaron was appointed again by God. Because there, there wasn't, it couldn't have been just anybody. It had to be somebody who had the right qualifications. And Aaron did have those qualifications. He says, in, in like manner, Christ uh, didn't puff himself up to be something that it's not as though he needed to. But he says he didn't take this on, but he was appointed to that job by God. And and God said, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. This is in Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. And there, that one and one other place in Psalms, it's Psalms 100, 110 and verse 4. Now, I'll go there and I'll, I'll read a little bit of this. Uh, Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. This was a, this is a psalm of David. And David says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So he was talking about, I, I believe Jesus. I, I think that David had a, a communion with God that was perhaps better than many. He was, from the time he was a young lad out tending his father's sheep, he had a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. And he said, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send 
the rod of strength, that of Zion, rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So he said, I, I was given the opportunity and, and God would rule in the midst, or Jesus would rule in the midst of his enemies also. All throughout his ministry, there were those who opposed Jesus and the things that he said, the things that he did. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Wow. Well, this wasn't David that was being talked about. That's for sure. David was aware of that. But this was a prophecy that God gave to David concerning Jesus. And so here God, God gave this prophecy to David that of Jesus. He says, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who was Melchizedek? Was, uh, the king, king priest of Salem. Okay, king priest of Salem. And so, and what does Salem mean? It means peace. The king of peace. And he was a priest and a king. And when Abraham came from the battle of the, what was it, four kings? Five? Maybe five kings. Okay. But he had gone to battle with five kings and had been victorious. God gave him the victory. And on his way back, he met Melchizedek. And he gave a tenth of the best of everything of the spoils of that battle to Melchizedek. So he honored Melchizedek. Abraham honored Melchizedek as being superior or more important than himself. So that's an interesting thing here. Um, and then back in Hebrews again. Get, turn back there. And verse 7. All right, well, okay. Who in the days of, he, he was talking about Melchizedek there, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. This isn't talking about Melchizedek now. This is talking about Jesus. He says, verse 8, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. You know, I, I've had trouble trying to wrap my mind around the idea of Jesus having to learn to obey. But he did. And he learned to do what God the Father 
asked him to do. But he learned through the things which he suffered. They, they weren't necessarily pleasant things. I'm certain that dying on the cross was not one of the most pleasant things that Jesus ever did. But it says in verse 9, And he, being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So it's not just Jesus who learned to obey, but we need to learn to obey too. And it may not be pleasant things. And again, speaking of Jesus, it says, Call of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So this Melchizedek was uh, a man, we don't know much about him. We don't know his lineage. We don't know where he came. We know where he was, but we don't know exactly where he came from. Uh, you, the, those, Kyle? those two, the, that word there is actually root word for two Greek words. Which word? Um, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, okay. And it's from uh, Melech, which means king or royal. Yes. And it comes from Zedek, which means the right or prosperity or equity. equity. So the king of equity and prosper or prosperity. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't looked up the uh, derivation of that name. That's interesting. Two Greek words at that. Oh, these are two two, two Hebrew. Two Hebrew words. words. Okay. Well, you, you said Greek and I thought I'm sorry I meant that. Hebrew. <laughs> okay. But oh. but that's that's uh, pretty interesting. I never looked at that. That is interesting. Um, so the king of peace and prosperity. Interesting. And Jesus is made after the order of Melchizedek. Now when he speaks about priestly order, there's, there are two of them basically. The, the other one is the Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood. And that's the one that he spoke of there at the very first in chapter or in verse one. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. So here we see this uh, the, we see the tears of Jesus and prayer to the Father. Um concerning his the suffering and and yet he obeyed and he did what the father asked uh, and he became the source and the giver of, of salvation to us he in dying on the cross saved us from our sins because it was for us that God the father said the soul that sinneth it shall surely die and our souls were the target of that. But Jesus took that on himself at God's direction, God the Father's direction. And Jesus obeyed in that instance. You know, one of the things that I think about is he was speaking to these Jewish brethren here, this, the writer was. Yes. And he was trying to lay down some foundation work for them yes. to understand just just how 
landmark it was for Jesus to be the high priest. Yes. And and to this particular point, they didn't understand that because no. you see the struggle they had when Christ was on the scene, you know, and they were trying to take a lot of these other these these other Gentile brethren back under the law, you know, as well as themselves going back under the law because yes, because of all these these things these spiritual corruptions they were dealing with, but he says there that it's interesting how he lays the foundation there. Yeah, he, talk, he starts with the man and he says this was way, the way the priesthood of Aaron was set up because he understood right. the weakness of men. And then he goes on to Christ saying he understood the same way but without sin. But without sin. Yes. You know. Yes. And that's and he goes on and he speaks about the weakness of these Hebrew brethren in the next few verses here. Verses Let's read verse 11. Uh, he's talking about Melchizedek here. He says, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered or, or to be um, expressed. It's hard to express about Melchizedek, exactly who he was and what he was. But, um, and hard to be uttered is the way it's said here. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. Now, this, they said, wait a minute, dull of hearing. That's, that's not, not like me. I've been around machinery and my hearing isn't as good as it used to be. But that's not what they're talking about here. He's talking about their apprehension. Their, uh, uh, it, says, it says hard of hearing is the idea here, but it's dull. Your, your brain isn't receiving things. It's not apprehending the idea. That, of, and so it's hard for us to explain these things to you when you don't have the, the basis for understanding these things. And they should have. He says, for, verse 12 says, For, when the, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So they were, he put them down here. The, these Hebrew Christians, they had been Christians for a long time, but they were not developing and growing the way they should. They weren't hearing what God intended. It wasn't hearing the the message of love that Christ came to bring. And they were wanting to bring people back under the law again, as you inferred there earlier. They're, these were, they were going back to the law and trying to live under the law again instead of under the grace that Jesus Christ brought. He says, you ought to be teachers, but you have need that someone teach you again. The very basic, or the, the first principles of the oracles of God. The, the idea here is uh, the truth. You need to go back and learn the truth. And you should be teaching others, but you're not ready for that yet. Verse 13 says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them 
that are at full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now that's a, that last part there tells us a lot. He says this is something that you don't get by, uh, oh, just reading a book or having somebody tell you something. This is something you learn by experience. And it, it says, uh, by reason of use, that's, that's practice, a daily practice, ongoing practice, have their senses exercised, um, trained, if you will. They have their, their senses are trained to, ex they've experienced these things, to discern both good and evil, to, to judge what is right and what's wrong. That's an, another important part for this priesthood. Uh, the Hebrew Christians were chastened for being slow to comprehend, hard of hearing or, or dull of apprehension, however you want to say that. For as long as you have been believers, you should have been able to teach others also. But in reality, you need to relearn the base, basics of the truths of God. That word babe there means, it's napios, which means that uh, it, it, they're an infant, a simple-minded, it's a simple-minded person. Mm -hmm. Or uh, immature. Yes. And it says, uh, it says uh, particularly that they are one who cannot speak, speak hence an infant child baby without definite, without any definitive limit of age. Yeah. So just someone that's no, it's, not mature enough right. to uh, and it's spiritual maturity that's being spoken of here. That's right. It's it's not that they weren't uh, elders. They may have been elders, but he says you're not really mature spiritually. And spiritually, spiritual maturity is acquired through constant practice. By experience. We have to learn to experience the confidence in God and be able to teach that to others. And that's a diff it's not an easy thing to learn in the first place, but to teach it is perhaps even harder, especially when people are dull of hearing. And he says, you're dull of hearing. You're not grasping the the importance here. And to think about the struggles that they faced there at the time period. We're not long in between the the death, the, the physical crucifixion of Christ right. and AD 70 when Jerusalem was completely razed to the ground. Right. So they were going through some great difficulty, you know, in that time because it, Jesus had turned their world upside down because from the Old Testament you know, right. because they're not grasping. They were still trying to hold on to the, the to the to the old covenant teachings and the sacrifice and all this, but Christ was trying to get them to understand when he was on the scene that this this is there's a better way, this is that I'm trying to establish for you all. Yes. You know, and they're they're struggling to let go of all that how many thousands of years of teach of old covenant teachings and yes. promises made by God that they'd understand that it, it had it hadn't changed. It was just 
how it's going to be fulfilled in the New Testament kind of shifted that with from the from the continual sacrificial offerings to Christ would suffice that. Yes, and he was the offering. Oh, he was the offering. And we'll, we'll get into that here. Sorry, Matter, matter of fact, let's let's go on into chapter six here. It says, uh, and and this is an appeal to them, to these Hebrew Christians, for a sudden and urgently needed development in their lives spiritually. And so he goes on here, and he says, therefore. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. He says we're going to leave those basics behind and we're going to move on by God's grace and he says we aren't going to be able to do that on our own but God will provide and even for you that are slow of apprehension they're not getting it here we're, we're going to move on now and we're going to go beyond these things and teach you some more. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon the earth upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth a blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. So if the ground isn't producing what it needs to, they'll, they'll burn it. If, it. if you planted alfalfa out here and nothing came up but no. thistles, you, you do something about getting rid of those thistles. You burn them. Get it, get it taken care of. And he says that this is the same thing for those if they fall away from serving Jesus Christ. To renew them to repentance and so this is a very serious warning here um, it's a solemn warning of the seriousness of of the leadership and responsibility for personal spiritual development this is to the leaders he's talking to leaders here the people that should be leaders and he says you're you're not getting it. You're not getting what Jesus came here to teach. And, and we're trying to move on and to, to get you that spiritual, that personal spiritual development that you need to be the instructors. All right. Um, 
Verse 9, I think it is. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. He says, even though we're talking to you this way, talking down to you, essentially, he says, we, we expect better things of you. We, we have expectations of you. Um, we have a confident expectation of, and he goes on to urge them here for their own assurance of God's faithfulness to reward their diligence in service. If they will apply themselves diligently to do God's service, then God will be there to back them. And I'll, I'll, let's go ahead and read that. Um, verse, I'll read verse 9 again. But beloved, we are persuaded, uh, we're, we're convinced, better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed, showed towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and you you are ministering but there's something lacking here we we want you to move on we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end that you be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises You've got examples in the Old Testament there. And we want you to follow them, realizing that God does take care of those who are diligent in his service. At verse 11, we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence or, or the... Um, what shall we say, a high purpose. You do things intentionally here to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So this is an ongoing thing and you need to be diligent all the time. It's not a, a one-time thing. It's not a on-again, off-again type of thing, but it's a, a con consistent uh, diligence that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When, for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So, Abraham was said, you know, from the time he left the Ur of the Chaldees and, and became a great man, at, as God made him a great man, he, he endured things and he went through a lot of different trials. But God said, I will bless you. In, in blessing, I will bless thee. In multiplying, I will multiply thee. This duplication here is a reinforcement of that idea. And 
And then it says, so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. It wasn't that he obtained the promise when he was told to leave the earth of the Chaldees. It was when he had patiently endured and gone through all of these things. And God was proven to Abraham. God believed Abraham. That's why he left the earth of the Chaldees. But there were a lot of things he had to endure. A lot of things he had to grow in his development. Even Abraham. Who ever all of them looked up to Abraham, and and yet he said Abraham had to endure these things. It was not a instant thing. He didn't get instant gratification, but there was a ongoing learning and growth process. And we need to realize for ourselves that there's a, a growth process here. And we are called upon to be an active participant. Wide awake, alert, looking for what God wants us to be doing. Not just passive and say, okay, all right, download it on me, you know. No, it's not that way. We have to endure things. And there are things that Jesus endured in order to do what God wanted him to do. And if we're to do the things that God calls us to do, there may be unpleasant things that we have to endure. There may be some spiritual growth that doesn't come instantly. And I'll, uh, I, I think of a violinist, Pincus Zuckerman, or somebody like that. He's, he's good, but he, guess what? Even though he's excellent violin player, he practices every single day. Every day. It, it's not as though his fingers will forget. Although, <laughs> I've, I've had things that I was better at at one time than I am now because I haven't done it for a while. And so we need to practice. We need to be diligent to practice those things every day. And learn through that patient endurance. And then we'll obtain the promises. And not until then. Well, my, my time is up here. I'm, I'm going to stop right there at verse 15. And we'll start there. We'll pick up there again next week. That's a a breaking point there in the, in the thought. So this, this is something we need to realize that there, God has expectations of us in our spiritual development. No matter what we're called on to do, doesn't matter what our job, we were talking about uh, people being taking on different jobs, song leader or, or treasurer or whatever, Sunday school teacher, each of these, we need to learn to call on God for our own growth before we try and teach or, or help somebody else. And, and certainly we, we all come short. We're human beings. We understand that. But 
there is a certain confidence that we have in God that you don't learn by any other way than by experience. And, and by experiencing the fact that God is there, uh, uh, that assurance in our own heart that God will provide for us in the time of need. So, with that in mind, we'll, we'll take a short break here. Push it out to the side there. Yeah, one side, one way or the other. Uh, it's getting the sun right underneath. Oh there. yeah, right. Uh, it's shining right in. We need a piano player today. <laughs> 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 
on this line. This morning we're we're missing our song, our piano player, and so we're. You, are you going to volunteer to play piano? I'm I, not ready for that. I, you jumped right up there. I, I'm not ready for that. I'm not either. <laughs> I don't. 